destroying the entire universe. and Nick's Interconus Fan Podcast, broadcasting from a post-Demos orbit on Voltaire Station. This is episode 45, Oh, the Places You'll Virtually Go. This week's episode is sponsored by ASR, who would like to remind you that four out of five people you meet are actually holograms. One, two. Got one more. Yeah, where's that snow leopard? (laughs) With me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Wines and Ashtar, and I am still Corbo. So before we begin, a question for the hosts. Did you catch the Proving Ground show after dinner last Foodsgiving? Yeah, I was very, very proud to see that there was a hyena ball boy working in only minimal assist armor. Oh, that's cute. Without t- taking any injury at all. They let him off the bench? Yeah. That's nice. I, um, I actually didn't watch the show, but I wrote a haiku about it, if you'd like to hear it. No, 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 no. no, no that's, that's okay. I actually gorged on holiday-flavored paste and uh well didn't wake up till halfway through the weekend so yeah we're not gonna talk about that do we even have soy anymore do they simulate the soy now it's very convincing soy it's simulated all the way down oh wow (laughs) so as per the last few episodes we are on an ongoing plot arc about the various megacorps in seoul we started with marsco and we're working slowly our way through asr Uh, this episode is going to be the people and places you'll meet Wait, you can't really meet places. The people you meet and the places you might go in an ASR town, so local environment, that sort of thing. The next episode is going to be uh, conspiracy theories and alternate readings, and then some tangentially relevant topic for the final episode. Uh, So I was thinking about this for the not directly ASR-related episode, and that is um, talking about running a Year 100 campaign. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, because that's the kind of foundational period for ASR and Marsco and... Not Marsco so much. And uh, I think that might make a fun kind of topic to explore. That would. Sure. Okay. Well, then. So if you're listening and you want to drop us an email at radiofreedemos at gmail.com, please feel free. And we'd love to entertain ideas about a year 100 campaign. I think we've actually been talking about running a period game for quite some time. But that's down the road. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. Now, let's start off with some of the sights and sounds around the ASR town. Y'all can interrupt me anytime you want to, by the way. Just just saying. Um, Kuro? Or? I'm hungry. <laughs> we have soy. Yum. Simulated soy. Yeah, I think. Holiday flavored simulated <laughs> it's, soy. It's new soy. <laughs> Holiday flavored. <laughs> I don't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> Something between turkey and pumpkin, <laughs> cedar and pine trees, <laughs> and gift wrap. <laughs> mm. And the anti-static plastic that, the, that electronics seem wrapped in. Mm. <laughs> they don't specifically go here in the books, but ASR is the oldest of the megacorps besides Marsco, and probably most established because it was having its own identity before like the three spin-offs spun off. So Marsco has a lot of the historical architecture, but ASR probably has all the rest. And I'm thinking in old ASR towns, you're probably dealing with a lot of historical stuff and very Terran architectural styles. Outside of that, in the new ASR builds, you'll have 
gleaming white and chrome, and that's in canon. Um, the white because it's a really good backdrop for holograms, and everything changes constantly. Wouldn't black be a better background for holograms? No. Okay, just checking. Mm-hmm. You can't make the robots evil. <laughs> oh, right, right, okay. Oh, yeah, that's Sorry. true. That would inevitably happen. So it's, it's clean, white, minimalist, very Ikea. And then overlaying all of that is this constant sparkle of hologram art and responsive technology. The walls themselves are like living with robots um, as opposed to TTI, which is just living. Um, <laughs> so things move, things get out of the way, and everything is ever so responsive. ASR invented levitation technology really before they were a spinoff company. Sometime in the like 50 AEs, they were perfecting the push frames, which have the little like paperclip holding floaty magnetic technology stuff. Mm-hmm. So they've been developing the ability to float buildings and things like that ever since. And it's pretty reliable. It only sometimes falls out of the sky, killing thousands. <laughs> Yay, progress. ASR architecture tends to be, um, as I said, responsive. They have uh, robotic gantries and the ability to store infrastructure in these vast underground networks or tunnels. During rush hour, an entire highway might unfold from underneath some unknown place and just spread itself out mm. or they may actually engineer rush hours to fit their needs but if you've ever been in a street where like the left turn lane is there past three o'clock and is right, not there before right. it's that but on every single level the entire space will organize itself around the pattern and traffic flows either to create them or obstruct them or just respond to them neighborhoods will occasionally change their nature. So I'm thinking like during the holidays, they might suddenly spread out into this kind of little little circular area with a sort of neon bimus tree in the middle and it'd be very like town of Whoville lined up. It's very kind of hokey. But you don't really know where you are at any point in time during an, in an ASR town because the town itself can reconfigure itself very easily, uh, which can be disorienting for outsiders. They have mastered infrastructure as a service. They have. It is... One of their high points. And logic is actually one of their inbuilt skills. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Sometimes you go into a bathroom stall. There were two rolls of to- toilet paper, but now there's three. See? That's the kind of responsive service that ASR gives you. Mm-hmm. The problem is the third one is virtual. <laughs> there's nothing quite as disappointing as virtual toilet tissue. <laughs> but it's so clean. Or maybe it's smart toilet tissue. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I can't see how that would go anywhere good. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll fix that one in post. (laughs) On the downside, ASR tends towards uh, thought monitoring, tends to be very invasive. That's likely to be reflected in the town as as well. First off, there'll be cameras in every corner. They may not be visible cameras, but they'll be there. Mm -hmm. And the design of the town can respond to your needs and desires. In an RPG, that can reflect some interesting facts about an NPC, for instance. Uh, It can also show some very dark angles of your character's personality. Um, we've joked that probably they, for a small premium, they won't display that sort of thing. But <laughs> the world reflects your personality as you move through it. Your passage is going to leave a wake, leave a trace. Also, all of that interesting data is stored away for ASR's use later on. That is one of the very small costs you pay for a very large amount of service. Well, not just your, say, longer-term personality profile, but also your short-term. Your emotions, your mood, how your day has been going, what you've been doing recently can be reacted to very quickly and fed right back in. Whether that's a good feedback loop or a bad feedback loop also depends on little algorithms up in the hive mind somewhere. I kind of assume that unless you're in a pulse town, generally soul tends towards avoiding conflict. So hopefully they won't like magnify your bad mood with like sudden shocking 80s style magendas and red bursts and like loud cymbal clashes, unless that's what you've programmed it for, in which case you have problems. 
or that has a 52% chance of having a higher spending profile to make yourself feel better later that day. Oh, God, yes, therapy eating. (laughs) Okay, there's that. There's a new example of smart technology, which is kind of down these roads. Uh, They talk about it in 2.0, and I like it a lot, and I believe that we mentioned it in an episode a long time before 2.0 was written, so I assume that means that Pierce listens. (laughs) Yay. And that is the hollow home. Leave us our little illusions. <laughs> uh, so the hollow home, uh, the, uh, the advertising copy is design your own environment, your own furniture. Your environment becomes a tapestry for self-expression, storable on your toggle. So you can take this virtual environment and go into any room and overlay it in the area. And your personality kind of spreads itself over the walls, that sort of thing, which is neat. The entire place is going to be a holographic projection. So you can have virtual visitors come through that sort of thing, um, change the artwork, whatever. It's a a completely flexible space that reflects your needs and desires. But an interesting thing about it kind of in the, what was the Furby? The Furbies were kind of, they're supposed to be like this. They weren't really, but it evolves over time and it's not entirely under your control because as long as you have your toggle with you, which is where you store this wonderful contraption and surface, it picks up traces of the people you associate with most commonly. And so the entire home is predominantly your design, but I assume you can adjust the setting somewhat. It picks up traces of your neighbors, of the places you've been, kind of like maybe a living dream that reflects the things you've done during the day and the places you've been and seen. So you'll get like travel montage wallpaper or pictures based on the cafe you're at this afternoon. Or if you have a NPC that your game master desperately wants to dole out information about, maybe that's reflected in the flickering images on the TV or uh, the sudden kind of gothic tone everything's taken or maybe your new boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever we're not judging really like 70s style big eyed cat art (laughs) and that's suddenly manifesting and they're designing your future offspring to look like that (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of an interesting way for the game master to recapitulate images and events from the day before is how they're showing in your virtual world that you've been carrying in your back pocket all day it's kind of a neat tool and I haven't seen anything like that ever uh, Not on our budget. Yeah, that's true. We do have very small, like I, I said at the hologram in the bathtub because that was the only space that was white, hmm. was white, is not white anymore. And for the Game Master, it is an interesting area to inject maybe a different background or a different feel to the environment than most of the sci-fi, which is varied, but is fairly static. Mm-hmm. In that not only are we talking about ASR, the real world and the holographic world, the the ASR cities are just completely overlaid with so many different virtual games and holographic games going on at a point that this is actually a place where you can jump off and play around a little bit with something that's a little bit more fantastical or mystical instead of staying rooted in the sci-fi genre. So if you're looking for something a little bit different, ASR is where you go. Or Westworld. Yeah. (laughs) And I like the hollow home in particular because it's sort of a gentle, responsive thing. I mean, yes, it in a sort of standard way, it reflects what you wanted to. I mean, you've you've laid out you like postmodern artwork. There's postmodern artwork all over the walls. It's always playing your particular mood music, whatever. But it's responsive on a subconscious level, on an incidental level, on a on an unplanned level, which is kind of neat. It's a good gadget. It references very much the holodeck from Law of Star Trek, but you're also talking about it almost as a trapped on the holodeck type episode where you're not really in control of what's going on anymore. Sure, you can affect it, but it's changing and adapting and growing in the background, not necessarily according to what you 
consciously set up. What's also an aspect of this is the technology they talk about in the little short piece before the ASR section in Sound and Silence, and I got the name right of that book, <laughs> and where they uh, brain tape some kiddos. Yeah. It's continually reading your thought anagrams and extrapolating from them. And you're not necessarily in your character's home space. You could be in an NPC's home space or something like that. These things could be set up in a small business that just kind of continually picks up traces of its customers and gradually evolves as that community does. I, I love this particular gadget, and I think I could spend way too much time babbling about it. So one, I have to bring in sci-fi references. One that I'm remembering is kind of related. Clifford Simiak's book, uh, The Complete Werewolf, the plot is a, a, a an, an Earth astronaut get returns to Earth after being frozen in a ship for a long, long time, and comes back, and now the world is filled with AI houses that have similarly they're completely everything is holographic, and his house is very frustrated with him because he he just wants the walls to look like walls. Mm-hmm. He keeps nagging him, keeps saying, you know, I could make it more interesting. I really have a lot of ideas. You're really frustrating me. So he he finally just says, fine, you know. Go crazy. Show me, show me what you can do. And his house is suddenly a black abyss filled with eyes staring at him, really creeping him the hell out until he says, no, no, back to walls, please. <laughs> You're sure? Yes. <laughs> Poor house. <laughs> Other kind of features that are very standard to ASR is the, again, the very invasive nature of holography that can be everywhere both visual both like visual light holograms and uh heads up display things in your utila eye or the ui goggles that sort of thing so all uh what's the word Is eyeball the, cameras yes i mean presumably all of those utila eyes which are provided at a discount to the customer base are beaming information back to the mother hive absolutely augmented reality that's the word that i was looking for that is also very talked up in the uh, preamble to the ASR section of SNS. Uh, two kids go on a quest, and on that quest, you can see the fantasy overlay over an ASR town where businesses are subsidized and doors will open and close based on what your character's wands do and the magic spells that you paid for obviously do. You can control traffic patterns to some greater or lesser degree with a wand wave. The bus looks like a dragon. Wherever ASR or dark NPCs want there to be extra encounters, extra action, that's where the rare items start spawning and the rare monsters start spawning. Not just, you know, the benevolent overlords of ASR, but um, some criminals, some, in this case, like brain pattern stealers straight out of Dark Mirror, are taking advantage of this and putting out lures for kids. Free candy van drives past. (laughs) How do you respond? So, on a very, like, large level... ASR reorganizes itself as a form of entertainment, as a form of just demonstrating the kind of joy of technology as well. It's a neat realm. One thing that kind of occurred to me as I was frantically jotting down notes in the five minutes I had before <laughs> recording was that ASR must be a terrible place to be an outsider. I mean, any town is going to have some of that going on. But in ASR, first off, you can't even participate in the environment if you're a complete stranger, if you don't have the eye plugged in or whatever. And then even if you're a native and have, well, even if you've got some of the technology embedded in you and you're not a native, the world will have built its patterns up around the local population. And as an outsider, you're kind of be maybe striking a sour note against that tapestry. Maybe you could turn on like a tourist mode in which people you could talk to would have flashing triangles over their heads 
with, with suggestions over them as to what to talk to them about. Or their Wix flags. Or their Wix flags. Yeah, that's that's totally a dial that can be changed by society or by whoever's running the simulation. If you want tourists to feel more welcome and to feel to be better accepted by the community, then you just gamify it and reward for good interactions with tourists. Hmm. Suddenly, everything's much more friendly. Like, here, here, this person, he's Bob. He's a shopkeeper. Here's three recommended things you might say to him. <laughs> Here's three items he might carry. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. It won't help. <laughs> that, that is a good point about the outsider, though, especially one without the intel eye or without the way to hook in. Just how much of the overlay in the world is hologram as opposed to just being augmented reality on the eye itself. If much of the hologram has been moved over to personal experience, a personal interpretation that is just on the heads up displays, walking around an ASR city when you're an outsider might actually be pretty chrome and white and boring. Yeah, or the um, the more obtrusive environment responses might turn up just because you're here and you don't have an Intella eye. The actual holograms don't light up because everybody can see the stuff inside their skulls until like the outsider comes in and then you're wearing a big neon beacon saying tourist. That's probably not the case because people live in both virtual and physical worlds and ASR is not going to miss a chance to cover a wall with a tapestry. And to the outsider, all those crazy locals that are bouncing around and bouncing off of things that aren't there and avoiding nothing in the middle of the road might look like a whole bunch of just pack of crazies. We're in uh have you ever been at a LARP in a park? <laughs> Everybody's like throwing vibrating palm at each other and you're just kind of standing there saying, what? <laughs> in uh, Tad Williams' VR series, one of one character who's kind of a VR artist likes to appear as a floating face made out of breakfast foods. Like his lips are sausages and stuff like that. Creative. Yeah, but at one point... I don't know, he sounds like a ham. Uh, that's good. At one, <laughs> at one point, a character walks in this character who hung out in the fantasy simulation realms and breakfast face says, hold on. Is that somebody wearing a default barbarian sim? I've got to see this up close. I've never seen an unmodified (laughs) default barbarian sim before. This is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like if you're looking in terms of like raw dystopia, ASR may be a better dark future than, um, than Marsco in some ways, because the, and kind of the multiple levels of reality it operates on and the amount of just information it's siphoning from its employees constantly and the impact that a perfect stranger can have on you is, is so high. Oh, it's, it always comes down to the flip sides. I mean, on the positive side, I think ASR definitely has the techno-utopia thing going for those that are in the society, in the right strata, and basically the, the chosen percentile techno-utopia. But when you look at the flip side, I think it, I agree with you, it definitely has much more of the Shadowrun or uh, electronic VR dystopia possibility, much more so than Marsco. Just wondering what an ASR RV park would be like. See, they all stack on top of each other in towers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, ASR camping, that sounds kind of like the ultimate uh, bourgeois activity. Um <laughs> First off, your tent just kind of projects, you know, warm, glowing music and, and ambiance inside uh, and the tool set and fire magically respond to your very needs. Secondly, vectors have long since conquered all native life forms. 
It's a parking spot that simulates hostile reality outside that you can successfully avoid. There may be a lot more truth to that, though. I mean, we, we've seen, we saw a glimpse of that in Ready Player One. We saw a glimpse of that in in the movie where all the humans left the Earth and they left the robot behind to pick up all the trash. Wally. Oh, Wally. Wally, yes. When you have that amount of AR and VR, there's not much of a reason to leave. Uh-huh. Now, maybe not to the extreme of there's not a reason to leave your pod or to leave your chair, but if your city provides everything you need and everything you need within the solar system can be brought to the city, be mm-hmm. it in your room or in the stadiums down down the road a bit, why do you need to leave? I have felt that ASR people are going to slowly separate themselves from civilization in some way. I, I had that when I was working at home for like three months at a stretch, <laughs> and I started losing track of the English language, much like now, in fact. <laughs> That is an advantage that the AR games have, is that they do get people out moving and interacting with each other at a certain level. And that's something that AR, which they made a point of saying that it's you have to be out doing things, not just purely virtual mm-hmm. well, games. For, for the story the kids wanted to tell. True. The story they wanted, they wanted to tell with the kids. And inarguably, VR in this world gives you huge opportunities for socialization if you choose to take them. You can also have um, the story, the uh, Pygmalion story of someone falling in love with their creation or just living in the virtual world and escaping there. But this is a game about people who are interesting fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And those might be antagonists or NPCs, but probably not the char- characters themselves. I know yeah, I can be totally off base on this. A good segue to talk about the, the people that you might encounter in an ASR town or an ASR focused campaign, though. Some of them might even be real. A minority are real. <laughs> I'm going to start with something I noticed looking at 2.0. In the skill list, this is the sort of triviality that I think is just very exciting. So, so sorry, people. In the skill list, there's been a huge change. If you look at 1.0, ASR skills are finance, building things, taking them apart, repair, operate, computers, programming, and pilot. That's a fun one. So very like, Uh, tech skills, nerd stuff, engineer stuff. In 2.0, there are two kind of focus skills for ASR, and they are logic, which is the computer programming skill. That Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. And expression. A very strong change in the way your character builds might look. And a change in kind of the focus of ASR from this scientific utopia to a, a realm where personal expression is primary. As with any maturing tech shop, the uh, marketing and PR department has taken over. (laughs) Civilization falls into three (laughs) questions. The how, where, and why phase. Wait. Well, you know. How do we... Why do we eat? No. How shall we eat? Why do we eat? And where shall we have lunch? (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's an interesting kind of refocus and rebranding. Maybe the endless idea of displaying ASR characters as being gadget-happy tech freaks and grease monkeys got tiring after a while. And you're not required to focus on either one of those skills. Well, you're required to focus on one of those skills, Mm -hmm. but um, you can take your pick. The bulk of careers in an ASR space are stay-at-home, work-from-home design type things. That's a very common role because everything that can be automated is automated or farmed out to Marsco Mm -hmm. or other groups. So it it makes sense, but it's a, a neat refocus. You say that, but even today, a lot of the uh, more consulting jobs and 
jobs have become so online that they can be done anywhere that you have a laptop and an internet connection, a lot of people are choosing not to work from home. They'll work from either a rented office or a coffee shop or anywhere that they can get Wi-Fi and a park bench. You can get Wi-Fi anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> so the stay-at-home tech head might not be appropriate either. Yeah, fair enough. Well, the entire area is so modular that unless you're out in the suburbs, stay at home is becoming an abstract idea as well as your home can suddenly drift into another area and the shared workspace could merge with another shared workspace like these giant floating bubbles of coworkers. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Alexis, take my apartment to the coffee shop, please. <laughs> we could have your apartment look like the coffee shop or have the coffee shop look like your apartment. <laughs> it sounds like a beautiful dream. One image I'm having as you're talking about, like, people in an ASR town, I'm thinking of David Cronenberg's movie Existence, where the main character at one point goes into this dirty gas station to get a black market jack put in his spine in the back room by this dirty, greasy, disreputable-looking guy that runs the place with his equipment saying, you don't move while I'm doing this, otherwise you might end up paralyzed. It's <laughs> 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 a very shadow run moment there. Yeah. So I think we almost have to lead with kind of uh, the artistic types, the trendsetters and designers, and uh, the game masters as characters you might want to meet or play in an ASR town. You never want to meet the game masters. So game masters, if you... <laughs> If you haven't read Sound and Silence yet, uh, the Game Master concept is a really big one in uh, ASR-controlled towns. The Game Master is the power behind the scenes that frames the ongoing quest adventure that is life in ASR land. Uh, they're part government employees, so social servants, celebrities, rock stars, designers, and some of them are quite vengeful <laughs> as well. LARPers, your day has come. Yeah, oh, your entire world is one ongoing <laughs> LARP, if you want it to be. But if you're a GM, you probably want it to be. Yeah, I mean, that does sell. Ooh, two game masters getting into conflict over a small suburb or a faux conflict huh. where they try and have a, a wrestling match over whose version of reality is going to be triumphing. I've played that game. <laughs> oh, fun scenario there. Um, game masters tend to be hounded by the local population who's trying to ask for implementations and special power-ups and things like that. And it is definitely a glam job, but one that kind of locks you into an ASR town pretty badly, and a specific ASR town, so it limits your travel opportunities somewhat. Slightly more seriously, though, that is a very interesting variant of a hot zone for an ASR town. Not so much a conflict between two corporations that has just gone to blows, but a game that has gotten a little bit aggressive, shall we say, mm -hmm. that maybe the party now has to try and wind their way through. They're probably dealing with three realities at this point. Hmm. Actually, if there's a hot zone, then the game masters have a substantial control over the local assets and things like that, unless the terms shut down that sort of augmentation, which ASR might or might not cooperate with. I don't know. I'm better suited to maybe to a powerful NPC or a MacGuffin character than you. Although, actually, if, an, if a game master has left his personal territory, that kind of brings his power level down a fair bit into PC-level flex. True. Really having trouble with language. Don't worry, the audience will never know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very sad now. I'm imagining the terms of a conflict with two GMs where one of them has complete control over textures, but the other one has complete control over vertexes. 
And the world gets really, really strange. <laughs> Anti-nausea injections for all. That's like this DJ battle in... Uh, oh, sort of yeah, thing. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. <laughs> I think Adventures in Tech Support would be another kind of character class you might end up with in SAR. Uh, everybody's done tech support. And um, are those, those, like adventurer electricians from brazil and uh plumber house too obviously uh one of the house movies started with an adventurer and and electrician okay in in brazil it was a plumber same concept though yeah um yeah uh, adventuring tech support for a comedy-based game the uh living hologram might be kind of a fun character maybe not actually like an ai driven living hologram you might be able to get away with something like that with a very Oh, I was about to say very unique, an unusual cog chassis, but a character who's very withdrawn and lives mostly through projections Mm -hmm. would be kind of like like a less proactive version of the hacker decker from Shadowrun. If you're talking about from the player side, that's mostly workable, might have some issues with where they're going outside of ASR. If you're talking from the GM side, having this sort of a character, well, there's no real reason to say which they are. That's that's sure. a great mystery. Sure. Yeah. Well, and a character that has developed this as like a personality crutch or a way, like a, a deep-seated anxiety-ridden person that has to have this as their lens of expression and does it very well can be easy to play in an ASR territory, but have some useful conflicts sitting outside of that. I mean, they kind of lose their voice, which is as much fun to play, but it's a different set of challenges. And sometimes they have a mental break and the cops lock away that personality forever. Oh. (laughs) That's sad, too. (laughs) What's that? There's a George Martin um, shared universe, multiple author series about superheroes. And one of the characters... um, Wild cards. Wild cards, thank you. Uh, One of the characters was a telekinetic who spent all his time inside of a a armored VW car and eventually got kind of so locked into that that he mentally felt he could only use his powers when he was inside of his his little armored shell. I think he was like a turtle or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm just imagining people... um, with heavy robotic or virtual assists possibly becoming kind of hung up on them and not having all... I mean, when you're talking about people... That's adorable. Having a hard time out of their shells. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me that... Um, that could be done very well with a micro or a uh, lateral. ERB. That was, yeah, one of my early con- character concepts was a, a lateral Fennec Fox who who did industrial art with very, very large robots and basically just rode around on, on them all the time. And you have the, what are they, push frames? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you could be a very large industrial robot and control other very large industrial robots and until one day someone finds the uh, tiny little finick within. <laughs> the, the, the curtain with someone behind it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that fits t- totally, doesn't it? I will be leaving all of that in the episode. Um, (laughs) As an aside, I did see somebody that built a fursuit costume. It was like a robotic wolf that had in the chest a tiny little, I forget if it was a mouse or a cockroach person, 
working little controls as they moved around, <laughs> as if that was what was actually controlling them. That's precious. So cute. Oh, I wanted to give a call out to uh, Plushy, who's a, a listener of ours and a member of the HSD online community, who picked up the challenge of building a cog with a thing for lateral body shapes and uh, says he'll provide us with some character concepts as he proceeds forward on that one. So cool. thank you. We're glad that someone listens to us and uses our ideas in a deconstructive manner. <laughs> uh, moving on to some of the subdivisions and such like in ASR, this was a lot easier with Marsco because Marsco has subdivisions, whereas most of the other corps had not been fleshed out to that degree um, with one or two exceptions. So there are a couple of kind of organizations within ASR and or character types that stick out. They're mostly listed in Sound and Silence. Ashtar got very excited about the AI monitoring force. Yes. Yes, I did. Will you elaborate on that? No. No. Okay, well, maybe. <laughs> Thank you. Are they like Blade Runners? They could be Blade Runners. I, I kind of see them more as like Space Marines. Okay. Just because I think that's hilarious. Sure. <laughs> I had a men in black version of them I had myself. <laughs> so what are these people? There's so many things. I need to look at my notes. Um, so the uh, AI monitoring force, they presumably go around to spaceships whose AIs have become independent to the point of starting to develop new algorithms, new personalities, and spreading out, tracking down scientists and researchers who are creating new AIs that don't have the standard controls the old ones do, generally preventing the almost inevitable destruction of soul by one maniacal uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They, they are one of many ways where ASR's primary focus is to slow down technology. Actually, Marsco's primary focus is to put the brakes on things as well. So all bureaucracies, really. One person saw the Matrix one time, and that was it. <laughs> this shall not be, they said. Yeah. <laughs> Two other groups. That's how they, when they put in the anti-cannoid protocols. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What was that word? Anti-cannoid. Cyanoid. 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 Other yeah. pertaining to Keanu. Yes. It's actually Keanine. Could he be a Keanine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not serious enough for this. We'll just, just start this episode <laughs> over again. Welcome to Radio Free Demos and... Let's see, two other groups that are devoted primarily to obstructing technology. Uh, the Grounding Agency, who literally is there to make sure that technology does not progress too fast and dole things out in the predetermined manner and amounts up until the point where Lumen crashes onto the scene. And the related Warshaper Agency, who are out there to slow down, speed up, or balance out the production and development of war technologies. Balance out as in to like provide technology to sides which are behind in an arms race? I would imagine that's one of the things they do, or they put money towards developing technologies that, that they see like promoting and buy up and destroy technologies they don't. This is the reason that slug thrower weapons are still a big thing in, in the HSD universe in Seoul, hmm. because the death ray has been quashed ruthlessly by the powers that be. And ASR and the Warshaper Agency are the powers that the powers that be in this case. Read my mechanical robot lips. No new lasers. They're very lifelike lips, though. <laughs> and that's actually, in many ways, the end of the like listed subsidiaries and branches of ASR. We talked about some other ones in the past. Ashtar and I kind of worked on developing an internet provider corporation that I think I maybe over-constructed and overthought. But it was a fun idea of space-hopping tech support 
multi-corporation organizations that are there to provide free transfer of information, free-ish, free at a cost. And society has to have something to hate. That's true. That's a good way to sell bandwidth, get everyone hooked on the, the VR games. Yeah, well, interplanetary bandwidth is still a problem. Mm-hmm. Lag. I, there may be a war ender faction, too, as well, because if ASR controls the, the speed of war, then it's possible a pacifistic arm might have, brought, might have woken up Develop that's really there to kind of slow down and counter the ASR as arms dealer image that might have arise, arisen. Arisen, just theorizing that might be a small fringe group that is not very welcome at parties. Thank you for calling ASR War Ender Customer Support. If your war lease has expired and your weapons are no longer working, press one. <laughs> ASR used to have a thing for pilots and they don't anymore. I think that the skill list in 2.0 is a bit abbreviated, but also. Not all the skills are doled out to every corporation. So in this case, every every corporation in HSD 2.0 gives you access to two skills at a slightly higher level than your friends. You get a bonus or perk to deal mm-hmm. with them. And ASR used to have two skills, pilots and finance, that were, they were unique to them. And both of them are gone now from the ASR skill list. I think finance is gone entirely. But uh, ASR still has a strong emphasis on space exploration. That is a thing for them. So Pilots Union is probably an ASR group or subsidiary, ultimately. To be fair, finance in a game that at the time kind of limited your power progression by how much wealth you had amassed is kind of like giving players an experience uh, skill. And if you give players an experience skill, many players will simply max out that experience skill. Legit. Sure. (laughs) Not so doable in 2.0. True. And given how, yeah, like you said, financially oriented the entire HSD game is, the idea of a finance-based faction that maybe is more intimately involved with controlling or regulating the ledger protocols and algorithms or protecting them from outside interests and oh, the end of Fight Club where... Or they blow up all the financial institutions. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, preventing that sort of thing from happening. Yeah, secret, secret, secret ninja bankers, gnomes of Zurich, et cetera, et cetera. Even today, cutting edge finance has a lot of crossover with tech and AI. In the Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency is all very techno based. Most of the Wall Street and futures trading, trading exchange, that type of thing is becoming so quickly completely done by AI that pushing the whole thing into finance is a very kind of forward-thinking crossover. So I can definitely see where it was coming from. Well, it may be that if we're looking at expanding on the idea of a year 100, year 200 game, that actually might become kind of critical to their operation because that was when the economy was kind of gelling in Seoul and also when ASR had more money than any other corporation at Marsco, possibly. Mm. Back when money mattered. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are we in a post-scarcity environment or a post-post-scarcity environment? <laughs> uh, pilot, pilot. Um, if you're ready to go to pilot. I'm ready to go to pilot. Uh, so there used to be a mega, a mega corporation that was devoted to shipbuilding and shipwrights and shipyards, and I cannot write the second remember their name. I mentioned several times before. They sprung up around 100 or so and then faded out. Uh, around 250 or 300 AE, ASR developed the cleverly named Thrust Drive, that is Thrust Drive, and kind of established themselves as the power that powered star travel for quite some time. The power that powers power. (laughs) With the Thrust Drive. (laughs) (laughs) 
ASR is not good at naming things. You've established that too. <laughs> well, with, that, with that expression skills, you'll work, work on that. <laughs> That's 2.0 love. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. So it seems like we used to have a stronger emphasis on the pilot skill in ASR. Now it's kind of faded away, but it's still part of their legacy. And one of their primary focuses as a corporation is space travel. So that's going to be a thing. So on the on the space exploration front, ASR was one of the groups that kind of championed the uh, Mercury March. I forget what it's called exactly, but the endless caravan that goes around Mercury following the uh, day-night perimeter. There's a word for that, and I've lost it. So they 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 were doing space uh, experiments on. They were doing these experiments on Mercury for a long time, and presumably they are the ones that are likely to be exploring the trans-Neptunian areas and whatever thing man or vector was not meant to know beyond. Beyond the Pluto zone, they'll find that and unpack it and explode it. From a safe distance. Yeah, ideally. I have the intersection between expression and pilot in my head, and I remember remembering from C.J. Cherry's series, the uh, the snake-like Pika, who ins- insist on flying their ships in undulating, curving paths, kind of like the way snakes move around, just because they like it that way. And just to make navigation much, much harder for anybody else in the sharing space with them. That's... Not that they like it that way, it's that they think that way. It, it's the right way to that do they, it. It's the right way to do it. Everyone else is crazy for, like, cutting into their lane. Yeah. And then you had the other ones, which just paid no attention to anyone, but were faster and also did not pay attention to things like friction and inertia, so... Gravity forces. Those are for weak races. <laughs> like we've reached the logical end of this episode <laughs> so from here let's go on to the what's awesome segment of our show where we unpack uh recent news events products etc that the hosts have found particularly uh, stimulating exciting or elon musk oriented the question of the week elon musk superhero or supervillain? villain a little column a a little column b pretty much He's building a Monty Python tower. What, what does that mean? It's it's a tower, and he's trying to hire someone to stand up there and throw insults at people. That's that's about all that I got out of it. Oh, I assumed it was like slowly settling into the ground, and they just built it up again. <laughs> really? He's, is he literally just having insult people up there? Are you being silly at me? I. You just read the headline. I think I'm doing both, actually. You just read the headline. Okay. <laughs> I, I read the byline too. Oh. Which said that he was opening interviews for someone to stand up there and throw insults at people. This okay. is a weird world we live in. <laughs> yep. I think the, the difference between a hero and a villain is the villains have some grandiose plan for humanity. And I think Mr. Musk does have a grandiose plan for humanity, so I think he well, might be a villain. The rich part of humanity. Okay, well, the, the, the ones that matter, right, sure. <laughs> right, and that's, that's a given. Without going into it too much, not even pretending like I understand it that well, but like one of the new computer vulnerabilities, it depends on flipping bits in a computer's memory by hitting addresses adjacent to something that you want to flip. The amazing thing is that an application running can just by the ebb and flow of processor time, figure out what the memory architecture of a machine is, figure out what might be held next to what, and then make these memory attacks if 
10 years ago, a sci-fi author had written it, I would have said that, that that's ridiculous, that that's, that's adorable, but that, that's complete science fiction. Whereas now it's something I have to install patches for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Brave New World, which has such a yeah features in it. it, it I could barely wrap my head around it, but compete. neat stuff. Well, I was particularly excited by a new comic that came out yesterday, and I don't have a copy of it, so that's a problem. Uh, this is called Die, or possibly Die Number One, but mostly Die. D I E. Well, yeah, okay. There's not that many ways to spell that word. This is a comic by the author of The Wicked and the Divine, which is one of my favorite comic books. I know I've talked about it three or four times now. A uh, really good dark modern fantasy, very thoughty. And an artist of Wickdiv and also of a comic I used to read called Journey to the Mystery that was a Vertigo title, very strange, spacey and mystical and slow moving and ended after eight issues. So this is a team with a lot of kind of modern fantasy chops. And this series is... Um, well, it kind of falls on the trope of players end up in the fantasy world of their game. Really pretty common trope, but the way they're handling it is this is a group of 40-somethings that are suddenly dropping into the world they played when they were angst-ridden teenagers. So there's a lot of discord there. The author's describing it as goth Jumanji, which <laughs> I like that turn of phrase. Dude, that's, that's a cute term. Turn to phrase, yes. Yeah. So the first issue is a big double size thing. It's really exciting to hear about. I love this combination of author and artist. The author has worked with Fiasco, Monster Heart, Cyberpunk, Vampire the Masquerade, Warhammer Fantasy, Paranoia. And inevitably, yes, he is working on a PDF of the rules for the game or an RPG adaptation of the comic. So all of that. And it's from Image, which as far as I know, all good comics come from Image now. That didn't used to be the case, but suddenly they are <laughs> everything I read and look forward to in the comic universe. So that is Die, issue number one from Image Comics, available at your local store or check them out online. And allegedly this link, a link to that will be posted in the show notes when and if I ever get to posting show notes again. That is it for episode 45 of Radio Free Demos. Thank you very much and catchy outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Sirius Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So very like jar jar, jar head left brain uh, tech skills nerd stuff engineer stuff. Yes, it does. I probably said completely the wrong okay. thing. Okay, <laughs> egghead, egghead. Okay, yeah. Oh.